of the Lord today. I felt the presence of the Lord. And so I am so very honored and so very thankful. Amen. I appreciate Pastor Lane. Amen. We have, we, uh, I, I was, I was thinking about it this morning. We spent the day together yesterday and it's been a while since I've laughed that much. I mean, I think my cheeks was hurting by the end of the day. We had just laughed and we had cut up and we had a great time and I appreciate him. And, uh, Sister Shelley, thank you so much for, she's like the, the, the hostess with the mostess. And it was just amazing. Thank you so much for everything. She set me up, and I appreciate that very, very, very much. If you would give me a moment, I would like to share something um, that happened to us about three years ago before I get into my, to what I feel like the Lord wants to say to us this afternoon. Uh, three years ago, we started uh, Promise Church in Grovetown. This is about 10, 15 minutes, if you don't know anything about Augusta, the Augusta area. So we're about 10, 15 minutes, kind of outside a little suburb of the Augusta. And the Lord had spoke to my wife and I to go start a church. And there we met in a high school auditorium. And man, things seat like almost 200 people. And it was just me and her, you know. And, uh, we had a lot of folks show up. And we had that for several months, maybe two or three months. And um, the Lord began to deal with me about a building. And there was a building that was an Anglican church. And they hadn't had church there in a couple of years. And so I talked to the priest, Father Lincoln Adams, about renting the building. And I wanted, I was very interested about renting the building. Well, to make a, uh, a short story long, um, we began to inquire and uh, so we're going to rent the building. And, and I told him, so my pastor was Brother Maddox, Brother Mark Maddox there. And uh, we went to section conference and I was telling him. And then I was telling another pastor, Brother John Omis, about this building. And both of those men agreed that they said, Pastor Mills, just ask that man if he'd give you that building. Now, we're talking about a building with property on the main highway, on Gordon Highway, right down the street from this brand new gate that they're putting in for NSA and Homeland Security. And we're like right there on the main road. He said, ask them if they just give that property to you. And so I was building. I'm a, I'm a pastor by calling and a carpenter by trade. And so I was building an addition for my wife. I was up there where it is now my attic or my office. And I cut a stake. And I, I took this stake and I wrote Promise Church. I flipped it over. I wrote Acts 2.38. And I flipped it over. I wrote One Lord, One Faith, One Baptism. Flipped it over and wrote Promise Church. And I wrote the date on it. And I got the church people together and we met at that building. And I prayed over it and I said, I'm going to go stake this claim for the kingdom in Jesus' name. And I literally went out there and we anointing oil on this, this wooden stake. I took my hammer and went out there in the yard and I drove it down into the ground. I mean like two or three inches below the dirt. I just drove that thing in the ground. 21 days later from the moment that I drove that stake in the ground, I drove to that priest's home and before my wife and I got out of the car, I told her this. I said, babe, when we get back in this van, we're going to own that property. He's going to give it to us. I said, and when he does, we're not going to hoop, holler, shout. We're not going to ball the tires, pulling out of the driveway. Because that's just what's going to happen. 
That's just what's going to happen. The Bible says, without works, faith is dead. You have not because you ask not. You speak those things that aren't as though they were. Walked into that house and said, all right. I said, all right, Father Link, what do you think? Do you think about that? I said, before you answer, I said, before you answer, what I'm asking you, if you would give me that property. I didn't know this guy from Adam, okay? It's not like I knew him. I didn't know him. He didn't know me. So I walked in there, and uh, he said, I said, but before you, before you answer, I said, just know this. I, I don't have any money. I can't get any money. And I don't know people with money. So just to be clear, I can't get it. I don't have it. And I don't know people with it. So uh, what, do you, what, do you, what do you think? You going you to give us that property? He said, well, I'm dying. He said, um, do you promise to keep it a church? I said, as long as I own that property, there will be a church and the gospel will be preached. He said, well, well that work, that'll work for me. And he slid the paper across and we signed it. There had to be a monetary exchange for property. My wife reached into her purse, pulled out $1 and handed him that property. And we bought our church building and our property free and clear for one U.S. dollar. Let me tell you something. When you sit here and you have a beautiful place, you have a beautiful place to worship, and you, you, are, you can be very proud for what God has done in this church, in this ministry, in this community. Proud, but not satisfied. And there's a big difference. Because there are way more hungry people in this community than that this room can handle. So here's what I believe. I believe there's going to come a day, and I'm just going to speak by faith, that Pastor Lane's going to call and say, Brother Mills, we got the entire building, and we have all the parking spaces. And oh, by the way, they just gave it to us. Now you say, Brother Mills, come on, really? Let me tell you something. The Bible says that our God owns a thousand cattle up on a thousand hills. There's another verse in Psalms that says, For the earth is mine and the fullness thereof. The scripture went on to say that the Lord said, All the hidden gold and silver that is in the ground, by the way, they are mine. I own it all. God owns everything. It's amazing to me when you consider that He owns and is the creator of the air the atheists breathe. Because God owns everything. And I'm here to tell you that this year, God wants to increase our faith. And here's the thing about it. You say, Brother Mills, that was a special one-time thing at Promise Church. No, because it's the same God, it's the same gospel, and it's the same kingdom. And I'm here to tell you that if you'll take the shackles off your faith, if you'll release God to be God in your life, because it, here's the deal. I wonder at times if God does not move on our behalf because we won't give Him the glory or the credit to it and for it. 
So we must learn in our mind that when God does something, we're going to give him all the glory and we're going to give him all the praise and we're going to tell everybody that will listen about the goodness of God, the greatness of God, the power of God, the long-suffering of God, the goodness and his mercy towards us. If we'll give God the praise for everything, God will just keep bestowing blessing. And for that blessing, we give him praise. He said, I'm going to do it again. And we keep giving him. And so God will just continue to bless us. Here's what we must understand about the blessings of God and the kingdom of God. This year, this year, if you want to see God do great things, great things, okay, here's how you do it. Instead of saying, I'm going to be a vessel, okay, for you see, a vessel, no matter what it is, coffee cup, bucket, pool, whatever, can only hold so much, right? Can only hold so much. Even if it's compacted and you take that material like a like a like a, a, a box compressor and you just you just smash it, there's going to come a time that you're going to have the limit. And if you'll say this year, I, I don't want to be a vessel because I can only hold so much. God, knock the bottom out from underneath of me and let me be a funnel of the glory of God and the presence of God in my life. And I promise you, if you'll just turn into a funnel, God will just keep pouring finances. God will keep pouring his spirit. God will keep pouring his blessing. And everything will just come out and through us into our world. And I'm here to tell you, if God did it for Promise Church, amen, God can do it for you here today. And when it happens, I'm going to say, yeah, it's great. Yeah, I kind of figured that. Okay? Well, that, that's, that's, that's who he is. That's what he does. And so... Uh, I just, I just believe that. I believe that. I wanted to share that with you. I mean, I mean, you say, well, Brother Mills, that's a powerful miracle. It is a miracle. But let me tell you something. What other is a miracle? That building was in rough shape. Now, when I mean rough shape, I'm talking like in Georgia, no AC, no heat. They had a window unit. And we had church in there during the summer with the window unit. And that window unit only really cooled one row of pews. And so all the elders who didn't have kids to get together got early and they got that one row. And so if you sat in the row before it, it was okay. The row behind it, it was okay. Anything else, man, you were burning up. And we needed air conditioning. That was going to be $20,000 to put AC in that building. Okay? Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something what God did. The, the man was going to put in a lower-grade AC in that building. And I'm sure you all remember. Remember the, um, the bridge that fell here, here in Atlanta three years ago, two years ago, whenever it was, the big bridge? From what I understand, your city just burp, come to a screeching halt, right? Well, these lower-grade, not-as-good air conditioning units and ductwork and all that was coming from Atlanta to Augusta that day. Well, his men had already did like two days worth of duck work, and they just needed to set the units in and hook them up. And he was waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting because Atlanta just, just and his guy kept saying, it's on the truck, we're trying to get there, we can't get out of town. And he's looking at his watch, and I'm standing there waiting. And I was there when he made the phone call. He called another company in Augusta and got the top of the line Mamajama Ream brand put it in our church, took him six months to finally give me a bill for all that work, 
And when he did, he charged me $4,500 and then a month later sent me an offering for $500. We paid $4,000 for a $20,000 AC unit. Okay, for two of them, two, a supply of five ton and a three and a half ton. And then, and then we had no, we had, we had no, there was no drywall in the building. We're talking quarter inch OSB. Anybody know what OSB is? Plywood. Quarter inch plywood painted walls and ceiling with light bulbs. Hot. I was preaching in Mississippi. And I spoke a word of faith, and I said, I believe that when I get home, God's going to provide the drywall for our building. Within two weeks later, Tucker Materials pulls up in front of that parking, in front of our church, with two tractor trailer, with a tractor trailer load, and they unloaded every single bit of drywall and pallets of mud and brought it in our building, stacked it up and separated it. And when they handed me the bill, I looked down at the invoice. It said total cost zero 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 and they got back in their truck and they drove off boom done we didn't have we didn't have kitchen cabinets we tried to remodel a kitchen cabinets we had the top of the line crawford cabinets come in we gave them all our our, all of our uh, uh, dimensions we had prepared to pay for cabinets in our kitchen and the countertops and all of that and then uh when the Cabinets came, I went, I picked them up, we installed them, and when I got the, the invoice, at the bottom of the invoice, total, total, uh, 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 cost due, zero, zero, zero for custom cabinets and countertops. I can go on and on and on. You say, Brother Mills, how, how is that? Well, I don't know. I just believe. I just, I just believe that God is concerned about people and God's concerned about the kingdom of God. And if we will continue to take every opportunity to share what God has done and will do, then God will do more when we give him all the credit and all of the glory and all of the praise for what he has done. And I'm here to tell you this year, God's going to pour out blessing upon this church because we're going to Send it back up. And we're going to give God the glory. And we're going to give God the praise. Why? Because God loves this city. And God loves people. Someone say praise the Lord. Amen. If you have your Bibles and turn to the book of 2 Samuel chapter 4. Amen. I appreciate the honor to be here. Amen. Thank you so much. Amen. Pastor Lane for this invitation and everything. I love and appreciate. Amen. This man and his friendship. And thankful for what the Lord is going to do. Praise God. Amen. 2 Samuel chapter 4 verse 4. And Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son that was lame of his feet. And he was five years old when the tidings came of Saul and Jonathan out of Jezreel. And his nurse took him. Well, by the way, they had died. They had killed in battle. And his nurse took him up and fled. And it came to pass... As he made haste to flee and fell and became lame, his name was Mephibosheth. So here's what happened. Saul, the king, and his son Jonathan was in battle and they died. When the news of the king that died, the nurse of the king's son picked him up and took off running for her life. And she tripped and she fell and he came out of her arms and he was crippled and he he had problems with his legs. And from that time forward, he was lame on his feet. 
I'm going to talk to us for a few moments on this very simple thought, living in never, never land. But you'll, you'll get it. You'll understand it in a moment. Amen. As uh, uh, God begins to speak to us, living in never, never land. Here's what we have to understand. There is a difference between modern civilization now and something that took place back then. And we have to understand why did this nurse take off running? Why? Why? What? Because there's a reason why she dropped the child and she ran. And here it is. The reason why the nurse ran. We, because it was very customary in that day that when the king was to die, people who wanted to become king would quickly go in and they would kill all the heirs to the throne. Now, that wasn't the plan of God for Israel, but this was Israel's first king. And so, and they were living among heathen nations and the customs and the mindset and the thought of the way those nations dealt with their kings and their customs kind of got integrated into Israel and they were afraid, they were afraid that maybe this would be the case. And so the scripture says she grabbed them because there was a little bit of uncertainty if the first king of, of Israel, if everybody's going to come in and just kill all the heirs. And so she wasn't sure. And maybe she was a heathen. Maybe she was not Jewish. Maybe she was just a slave of, 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 the, of the king's house. And she knew that where she was from. That's what they did. Who knows? But that was her fear. And she grabbed up the child and she took off running. And he became lame on his feet. Now here's what we have to understand. This was the grandson of the king. He lived in the finest of luxury. I'm going to shed this. That'd be all right for him. Get rid of my hindrance. He was the grandson of the king. He lived in the finest of luxury. The best home. The best food. The best clothes. He had his own personal nurse. He had his own personal nanny to take care of him. This boy lived in luxury. Luxury that some of us probably would never totally understand. At the age of five, he was taken away. But he was lame and broken and disabled and hurting. He was taken away to be hid from those of the uncertainty of Israel and the rule of the throne. And so they just did not know. Been taken away from everything that he knew. Taken away from all the familiar sounds. From all the familiar sights and smells and textures and, and customs and culture and people and environment. Amen. He was taken away. Not only was he removed from those things that were familiar to him, but he was all alone. And not only was he taken from his homeland, and not only was he all alone to make matters worth insult to injury, he was lame and broken in the process. And now hiding for the rest what would be seemingly of his life alone, a man from everybody and everything that mattered to him. Anybody can relate with that. I mean, if anybody in our lives feel like, hey, the thing that I associated with, the thing that connected me in my life has now been removed. And not only am I alone, and not only am I broken, but here I am in a strange place and in a strange land. The Bible says in 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 3, And Zeba said unto the king of Jonathan, Yet there is a son which has a lame on his feet, 
And the king said unto him, Where is he? And Zeba said unto the king, Behold, he is in the, in the house of Machar, the son of Emiel, in Lodabar. Can we all say Lodabar? Lodabar. Lodabar. Now, I believe that words and names of cities and names of people in the Scripture have very uh, uh, a significant meaning. If we look at the name Lodabar, this is what you have to understand today. Lodabar has two meanings. Number one, it means a land of no pastures. Number two, it means a land of no's and a land of nevers. It was a land full of no's. No, 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 no. It was a land full of never, 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 never. His surroundings screamed out sarcasm, amen, sarcasm to his situation in the land of no's. It was a land of dream killers. Man, I hate dream killers. But he lived in a land. His environment was a dream killer. He lived in a land that every day when he woke up, his situation said, you're too broken to be blessed. His surrounding told him, you're too damaged to dream. His environment said, no. His environment said, you're too wounded to worship. No. His condition said, you're too spoiled to succeed. He was living in a land of dream killers. I've come to tell somebody here tonight at the brokenness of your life and the things you've gone through and the things you endured and the things you suffered privately and publicly has done nothing but say no, 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 no. No to you and never, never, never. Stop dreaming. Stop believing. Stop hoping. No to you. It will never happen to you. Never. You will live and die in Lodabar in a place of no's and nevers. He Woke up in the land of never, never. So I want to talk to us for a few moments about living in never, never land. So when I think about never, never land, I know what you're thinking right now. You're thinking about J.M. Berry's 1904 classic story about a little boy with green tights flying around named Peter Pan. And where did Peter Pan go? Anybody know? Never, never land. Ah. So we have Peter Pan flying around in never, never land. But where did J.M. Berry's get the phrase, the thought, to even come up with this little fictitious island and call it never, never land? Well, he had visited Australia. And in Australia, there's a part of the outback that is named after this. And it is called... A land of never, never. A land of never, never. It's a real place. Let me tell you something. It is so barren. It is so bleak. It is so desolate. It is so empty and harsh and bare. Nothing grows in the Australia outback in a small section called the land of never, never. Lodabar means a land of no's and never, but it also means a land of no pastures. Nothing's going to grow here. Nothing's going to survive here. Nothing is going to succeed. Stop dreaming. It will never, never happen. Amen. Never 
happen. Lodabar, a place where nothing grows. But there's a, but, but let me just go ahead and backtrack. There are some things that grow in this type of environment. I'm going to tell you what grows. Despair grows greatly. Come on now. Depression grows in great quantity. Disappointment grows and tells you, look what you've done. Look who you are. Hopelessness grows. Heartache grows. Reminding us of our faults and our failures. Sadness grows. Sorrow grows. Imprisoning us in our pain. Lodabar spoke to him every day and told him and is telling you you're too broken to be blessed. You're too defective and your defect will always define who you are. Your dysfunction has disqualified you. And there are some of you sitting here today with major wounds in your heart major wounds in your life that's hurt you so bad you can't seem to get past the pain and you're sitting here in your situation that's telling you you will never live for God and you will never do anything great for the Lord no not here not now never you will live amen in this land a land of those and the land of nevers. You will never live for God. You will never get past this pain because of your imperfection. You will never love again. You will never have the achieving accolades of others because of your affliction. You will never amount to anything because of your mistake. You will too tainted to triumph. You're so fractured and you'll always be forgotten. So you might as well dismiss your dreams. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Y'all like that good singing? Man, I don't sing. Never. Never. So just let it go. And the dream killers woke up every day and said, you'll never do it. And there are those of you that are sitting here today, right here, right now. And you have great dreams and aspirations to do something great for God. You want to be that conduit, that funnel in which God blesses the church and brings about great revival. But in the back of your mind, there's some things you've done, some things you've been, some things you've said, some things you've participated in. And every day they are haunting reminders. And the enemy, the accuser of the brethren, keeps bringing it back up and bringing it back up and bringing it back up. And you find it hard to pray. You find it hard to worship by yourself when you're not in church. You find it hard to be a witness. You find it hard to have great faith because there's this tantalizing voice of Lodabar speaking in the back of your mind so you better dismiss it. Amen. You better stay below the line of average and mediocre and run of the mill. Just stay where you are and just muddle along and hope you be saved because doing exploits for God for you is out of the question. Amen. And this man lived for 23 years in Lodabar. 23 years every day. Amen. A bleak, barren discouragement told him never and no let me tell you something. I, I've got critics in my life. I've got people that sit on the sidelines and watch me and say he'll never live for God. I had preachers when I was as a young man that got back to me, Brother Lane, and said, man, it, that, that being a preacher and doing something great for God and, and working in the kingdom, it's a phase. Hey, man, he'll grow out of it. It got back to me. said he'll never do anything for God. He'll, he'll After he turns 21, after he, hey, man, he gets married, that'll all fizzle out. You know what? Hey, man, that was when I was 16. I'm 
44 and I'm still trucking. I'm still doing things for God. Amen. I'm not perfect, but I have faith today. And I refuse to listen to my critics. You know what critics do? They criticize. And that's all they do. They sit on the sidelines and say, you never will, you never have, and you never shall. But I've come to serve someone to notice. And I've come to tell you critics of your life. Amen. that ain't the end of the story. There is a king somewhere on a throne. Somewhere on a throne, there is a king There is a king somewhere on a throne. Because the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 9 and verse 1. And David said, There is there yet any left of the house of Saul that I might show kindness unto him for Jonathan's sake. And there was the house of Saul, a servant's name, Ziba. And when he called unto King David, the king. Everybody say, the king. The king said unto him, Art thou Ziba? And he said, the king Thy servant is he. And the king said, Is there not any of the house of Saul that I might show kindness unto him? And Ziba said unto the king, That fast. He didn't have to think about it. He didn't have to go search the scrolls. Off the cuff, right off the top of his mind. Amen. He didn't have to go run and do some searching, make some phone calls, send an email, get a smoke signal, send a text, do something. He knew immediately, right off the tip of his tongue, right off the, it just rolled. Whoop, yep, I know. Boom, done. There it is. And Ziba said, Amen. Jonathan hath yet a son which is lame on his feet. Let me tell you something. Zeba never forgot Meshibbeth. And the king said unto him, Where is he? Ziba said, The king, behold, he's in the house of Mekah. In Lodabar. And the king said, and King David said, Fetch him out of the house of Makar in Lodabar. Amen. Let me tell you, there's a difference today. If you've walked in this place, you might have been living in Never Never Nan. But today, as of this moment, it's time now to stop living in Never Never Land and it's time to start leaving Never Never Land. And the scripture says that they Sent for Meshibbethab. There is a king on a throne that is calling you and is calling me that it's time that we start leaving this place. A man that tells us we never shall and we never will. Me tell you, I refuse to be defined by my deficiency. I refuse to be defined by the things that are wrong with me. I thought it was amazing the other day that even the Bible, even the Bible defines a man by his, his frailty and his problem and his deficiency. The scripture says the blind man, Bartimaeus. What is Bartimaeus? He was defined by what was wrong with him. He was called out by what was wrong and his ailment and his deficiency and his disability. Even the scripture calls him the blind Bartimaeus. He was defined by what was wrong. And let me tell you something. The enemy would like to put a label on you and tell you you never will, you never shall, you never can. Amen. You're going to be defined by the things that you've done in your past. The blood ain't too powerful. That spirit ain't that strong. The word isn't that persistent. And the scripture said that he just got up and he went to Jesus. But I'm here to tell you somewhere, amen, that God is in the miracle working business. And somewhere we've got to learn how. Yes. 
There's disabilities that I have. There's deficiencies that I have. There's inabilities that I have. But I refuse to be defined by them. And I refuse to let them stop me from trying to do something great for God. You understand? Well, there was a man. There's a man. Let me get his name right. There was a man by, by the name of Matt Studsman. Matt Studsman was born, born with uh, no arms. No arms. No arms. Just legs, torso, head, no arms. And he said that one day he was out as a child, and he told Dad, Dad, I want to climb that tree. His dad said, well, there's a tree. Go climb it. And he said his dad never helped him. Never. But his dad believed in him. He said by the end of the summer, he was at the top of the tree. Okay. And Matt got married, had children. And the story went on to say, and it's not that very old. He's, he's still living, still has kids, still doing great. And Matt was sitting around one day and was getting depressed because he couldn't provide for his family. I mean, what's a guy do with no arms, right? He's like, man, this is just depressing. Just several years went by, just doing nothing and sitting at home and just doing nothing. And Matt said, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go hunting. Guy with no arms says, I'm going hunting. And so he went and bought him a bow and arrow. And he learned how with his feet to pull back that bow and to release the and uh, he said, well, I'm going to do this so I can get some arms. Went out in the backyard, took him several months to perfect it, and he got down there and he was able to get the bow. And this was Matt's idea. He said, well, if I can hit that target, then I can join some hunting clubs for disability people, and if nothing else, at least I can bring in some deer meat a couple times a year, and I can provide some food for my family. That was his idea. Oh, Matt goes out there. Man, he's reeling them in. Bringing in meat. Man, he started hitting wild boar. He started going all over the country. Just, I mean, he hitting rabbits. He got real good. He got so good that someone said, Matt, you're really good. You need to join the, the, uh, the Olympics for, the, for people with disabilities. with deficiencies and disabilities in these Olympics. And guess what? He become number one in the world among, among people with disabilities. He got so good that he said, this is not even a challenge anymore. And so then Matt began to compete with well-abled-bodied, two-armed, ten-fingered people. And started getting good. Started getting Until Matt, a man with no arms, become number 10 in the world. To show up to archery competition with no arms and without symptoms. And Matt said that, that he wanted to break a world record of the longest archery shot. Two football fields long. He said he got up that morning and he shot 30 shots and missed every one of them. Missed every one. 
But when the officials got there, he pulled that bow back. Look at this. Got another one. On the second shot, broke a world record and hit the target two footballs filled long with no arms. Let me tell you something. We can sit back and say, I, I can't, I never have, I never will. And to be, fine, be defined by our past or be defined by our present situation and say, I want to, but. But if we'll listen to our critics and if we'll listen to the accuser of the brethren who will try to talk you out of everything in your life, then you will go no farther than here today. But I've drove from Augusta to tell some precious person in this building, amen, that you're living in never, never land. You're living by things that's kept you captive and kept you uh, 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 surrounded and, and trying to choke off every pit of inspiration that you can get. And when you do, you just keep stumbling and your situation keeps pushing you back into a corner. But I've come to tell somebody there is a king on the throne. There is a king on a throne that is saying, I want to show favor to somebody. I want to minister to somebody. There is a king on a throne that says, I want to show somebody what God's going to do. It's amazing to me. The Bible says in this story that when Zeba was called to the king, is there anybody in the house of Saul I could show kindness to? He didn't have to run back to the scrolls. He didn't have to run back, amen, to where they kept all the records. Zeba, that fast. I'm talking right. Yeah, I know. Boom, his name is Not only did Zeba know his name, know his condition, he knew that he knew he lived in Lodabar and the man's house and the man's dad. What does that mean? I'm going to tell you what it means. That means Zeba always kept tabs on Meshibbethef. Always kept tabs on him. Let me tell you something. I wouldn't be here today had there not been men in my life that kept tabs on me. And I've been through some junk. Let me tell you. I have been through some junk. Divorced. Pastoring a church. Lost my family. Just gone. Boom. Walked off. A few months later, I lost my home. A few months later, I lost my car. A few months later. I mean, when my, when my ex-wife got up and left. Man, I, you know, we ain't on Facebook. Are we? No. no. Yeah. We, we, <laughs> I appreciate that. I come home. The blinds was off the wall. Spoons out. Of the, I mean, there was nothing but dust on, on the floor. My clothes and a Bible. That was it. Gone one day. Walked out of my house, go to work. Fully flesh, everything there, come back, done and gone. I've had my days where I've been cut down. Let me tell you something. And then from that, have joined the military, still living for God, joined the military, trying to get things right back together, come back out of that, uh, serving with the Air National Guard, and got me a little apartment and started getting me some, some furniture at the Goodwill and praying over it. Soaked it out in the sun and said, in Jesus' name, I'm sleeping on it. Here we go. You know what I'm talking about? You do what you got to do, right? A few months later after that, 
had to move away, put all my stuff, all the stuff I kind of, I got a couch and a chair and a stool and a, and a bed and a mattress. Man, I was living the high life, put it all in a little shed next to my dad's house, was out of town working for my brother. My brother got a, you know, got a, back at the flip phone time, my brother got a, a phone call, said, hey, it was my dad. My dad, and I heard my brother said, oh, no, oh, no, oh, him the phone to me says, Hey Dad, what's up? He said, Jeremy, got some bad news. He said, The house I was living in that was renting, it burnt to the ground. I said, Oh, Dad, that's terrible. He said, Well, you know, that little shed that was next to the house, it burnt down and all the stuff you had was gone. Down to nothing twice. I'm living with my with my little brother on the couch in a rough part of Louisville, Kentucky, off of Dixie Highway. I'm like, oh, whatever, at least I got my job. And I got this old uh, uh, 1982 Delta, or 1986 Delta 88, brown, four-door, crushed velvet seats, man. Got in that thing. I drove about from here to the end of that, but here to the stop sign up there. Boom! It threw a rod. I mean, I only had that thing like two months. A rod literally came out of the motor. I mean, like. The motor was just everywhere. Are you serious? So I called my best friend, Brother Emma. Had a quarter. I called him. I'll never forget. Dixie Highway, Louisville, Kentucky, Bob Evans. Y'all, we don't have Bob Evans down here. Anybody know what Bob Evans is? Bob Evans. Man, they got the best biscuits and gravy, right? No? Oh, man, I love Bob Evans. Walked into Bob Evans, and there's a pay phone. Put in the pay phone, had his number on a, on a piece of paper in my wallet. I called, I called my best friend. Man, you ain't going to believe. A car, a car blow. He said, ah, Jeremy, you're joking. Plunk, hung up on me. My Lord, Edmund. So I'm walking. I come out of that Bob Evans. There's my broken car. I have nothing, literally nothing, Within like a year and a half, twice. And I walked across that parking lot. And I heard a voice. And it wasn't the voice of God. If I've ever heard the accuser of the brethren, I heard him that day speak into my heart. And our enemy, our adversary, the devil, spoke to me and said these words. Look what living for God's got you, Jeremy. All of that sacrifice, all that prayer and praise and believing and shouting and hooping and hollering, this is what living for God's given to you. Won't you? And, 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 and I, can I be real just for a moment? The enemy said, you, you, you haven't, you, you, let me, let me rephrase that. The enemy said, there's a business of ill repute where you can just go sit down and enjoy the view. Anybody know what I'm talking about? As a young man. Because living for God has brought you nothing. At least you might as well go enjoy the rest of the day. So I'm sitting here and I'm listening to this. And I'm not a singer, Sister Shelley. I, I, if, if, if there wasn't drum beat, I, I don't clap unless I can hear the drums. And most of the time my wife says I'm on the wrong beat. I have, I have no musical talent. I can't sing. If I start singing, y'all just get up and leave. I don't blame you. Okay, I have none, no musical talent. I have one instrument. The Lord gave me, and you can either blow it or pick it. I mean, 
that's just about all I've got. But that day, I walked across Bob Evans' parking lot, and I lifted my voice, and I sang as loud as I could. And I said, God, I want you to take this song, and I want you to amplify it in the gates of hell. And I want the enemy to hear what I'm singing. Now, you may all, some of you may know the song, and some of you may not, but I'm going to quote it to you. The song says this, and this is what I sang walking across that parking lot. The words go like this. I love you too much to fail him now. I love him too much to break my vow. I have promised the Lord that I'm going to make it somehow because I love him too much to break my vow. And I sang that song as loud as I could running down my face. And from that day unto this day, I'm here to tell you the blessings of the Lord has come. And God has given me a beautiful wife and four beautiful children and a beautiful home. We have established two churches. And from that day unto this day, my accuser has come to me and tried his best to tell me that I'm no good and that I can't make it. But there has been a king on a throne who said, is there somebody I can show kindness to? Is there somebody that I can bless? And Zeba said, I know. <laughs> I know a wounded man. I know a forgotten man. I know a man that everybody's discarded, but I've kept my tabs on him. And I know where he is. And I know his name. And I know his condition. But if you want to show kindness to anybody... I'm here to tell you today, I stand here today because Edward Clarence Inman III never gave up on me. I'm here today because of William Lambert, who pastors in Iuka, Mississippi. He even called me right after that and said, I want you to come preach revival. I said, I ain't preaching nowhere. He said, you get in your car, you drive down here. And I said, God, I'm the least person that needs to be behind the pulpit to preach. And I'm here to tell you, God done some miraculous things. Hey, man, there's a William J. McGraw, my pastor, who never, ever gave up on me. And I've come to tell you, there are some Zebas in your life. Your pastor is a Zeba in your life. When the enemy comes to say, he'll never do anything. There's a man that says, I know somebody. God, if you want to bless. God, if you want to move. I know a group of people. I know a young lady. I know a young man. I know an elder. Amen. I'm here to tell you, thank God every day for people who stand before God and say, God, I know some wounded people. I know some broken people. I know some people with some deficiencies and some inabilities. But God, if you want to bless, I know where you can find them. It's amazing to me. The Bible said what David did next. Listen to what the scripture says. And now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was coming to David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said unto Mephibosheth, he said, he answered him, said, Behold thy servant. And David said unto him, Fear not. I will show thee kindness for Jonathan's sake. Listen. And I will restore unto thee all the land of thy father Saul. Let me tell you something. Saul was the first king of Israel. And guess what you get to do when you're king? When you're king, you get to take the best land 
and you get to take the best vineyards and you get the best house. Why? Because you're the king. And guess what happened? The servant of, of, of Saul, Zeba, while Meshibotheth was in the land of Lodabar, he was keeping up the fields and he was keeping up the vineyards and he was keeping up the house, hoping that there would come a day that there would be restoration in this wounded man. And the Bible said that when David stood up and looked at this broken young man and said, all the fine fields of Saul is now yours and every vineyard he owned and planted is now yours. Every house he built, every room he slept in, and all the furniture and the gold and the silver and the servants and the livestock, it is all yours. And from that moment forward, Mesibetheth, a man become a very wealthy, blessed man. And because God sat on the throne and showed him. And you know what the scripture went on to say, if you'll find it's not in my notes, but I'm going to tell you how much God is, is willing to move on your behalf. Because there come a day in David's life when he was running from Absalom, from Absalom and his own son who overthrew the kingdom. He came over a hill with a bunch of men and they were hungry and they were thirsty. And guess who was sitting on the side of the hill? <laughs> it was Mesibetheth. He said, he said, King, what do you need? He said, what do you need? King said, we're hungry. He said, I've got baskets of dates and raisins. He said, I've got loaves of bread and buckets of milk for you and your men. And Meshavetheth never forgot the, the kindness that, that David showed unto him because there came a day that David needed him. And that man stood up and said, everything that I have is yours. Everything that I have, you can have a part of. And God began to bless David. Meshavetheth understood everything came from God. It came from God, and I'm going to give it back to God. And I've come to tell somebody here today, amen, God wants to bless, and God wants to restore, and God is. I've come to tell you that there's no such a thing as your critics who are never right towards you. If I could get some music, I would appreciate it. I know today that God is looking at someone here this afternoon. And you're looking in the back of your mind and I want to do something great for God. I want to do something miraculous for the Lord. But there's something in the back of your mind that says, yeah, but remember. Yeah, but look at where you are. Look at what you've done. Look how bleak your future looks. And I've come today to tell somebody. It's time that we stop living in Lodabar. In the land of never, never. But you get up because there's a king on the throne who's calling your name right here, right now. Right here, right now. And guess what this king is doing? He says, if you'll just come. If you'll just come. I'm going to overlook that. And I'm still going to bless. The Bible says that David told Meshavetheth, you shall eat at my table continually. You just pull yourself up and you eat at my table. Deficiency and all. Disability and all shortcomings 
and all, you just pull up to my table. The Spirit of the Lord is here right now. God's moving in this place. And what the Lord wants you to do is just pull yourself up to the table. Oh, taste and see. The Bible says, oh, taste and see that the Lord, He is good. He is good. Every eye closed. Can we just close our eyes just for a moment? Today, we leave the land of nevers and the land of no's. And we get up. We walk towards a king on a throne. We receive his restoration in our lives. And the blessings of God are to follow. God wants to restore. Brother Mills, what do I do? How do I do this? Well, you know what? We repent of our sins, God. I'm sorry. I'm, I was in the military. The word repent is the same phrase that the military says about face. You just turn around and walk in the different direction. You pull yourself up to the restoration of God by saying, hey, man, I need these sins washed away in Jesus' name, baptism. God, wash my sins away. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Move in my life. Fill me today with your power, your glory. Restoration. Restoration will come. And God will restore. And God will use. And God will bless every single one of us today. Is there somebody here? Is there somebody here that is tired? Exhausted of the accusations of the enemy telling you that you never can and you never will? Is there someone that says, I want to make a move today like I've never moved before? I need you more than anything in all of this world, God. Search me. Try me. Know my thoughts. Know my ways. Is there someone... I tell you what I want us to do. Can we just come around the front? I mean, can we find a place to pray and just say, God, I surrender. I surrender of living, living and listening to my critics. I believe today that you have restoration for me. I believe today that you want to restore the years, the canker worm and the caterpillar have to destroy I, I believe today, God, that there needs to be a restoration of my spirit. Renew with your power. Renew with your glory in my life. Renew me and restore me. Forgive me. I'm sorry. Cleanse me, oh God. Power of your spirit today in Jesus, Jesus' name. Amen. Can we just begin to talk to the Lord? from our own hearts today right now God I'm willing to leave this land of nevers I want to go to a land of yes I want to go to a place where your glory and your restoration moves in my life and moves in my heart come on somebody amen say God I I surrender all I wave the white flag God I surrender to your will and to your way as we softly sing amen this song could we just talk to the Lord from the abundance of our hearts God I want to leave this land 
I'm tired of my accusers. I'm tired of the accusations every day. Every day I'm exhausted. Search me. Try me. Forgive me, oh God. Create in me a clean heart and renew in me a right spirit, oh God. Take not away thy Holy Spirit. Where shall I go? From thy spirit, oh God, if I sin everywhere, you're there. Search me today. Search me today. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I've come to tell you, you're of great worth. You are of great value to the kingdom of God. God's got a plan for each and every one of you. God's got a great plan for every single one of you today. And you're not defined by what's wrong. You're not defined by the things you've done. The blood of Jesus and the Spirit of our God can transform you and change you into something beautiful, into a vessel of honor. God wants to do that today. God wants to do it right here. There is great revival coming to this church. There is a great increase coming to this church. There is a great expansion coming to this church. God's going to restore the years, the canker worm. God's going to restore the lamb of Saul. God's going to do great things to you today. Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Purpose for me, you want to save me. You will be with me. Here I am, God, arms wide open. Pouring out my life, gracefully broken. Here I am. Pouring out my life.